Can I say won't give it up? Curtis Adair, welcome to the podcast. Here we are. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, what is the what is the background of Adair? I, uh, that's your middle name. Yes. Am I am I blowing up your spot a little bit? Oh, no, right off the bat. No. Okay. Hell no. All right. So, mm-hmm. Cur- Curtis Adair is the name that you go by. What is is it? Adair sounds French to me. Um, I think it is. I googled it one time, and yes, I think it is French. Is that your heritage? Okay, so it gets a little dodgy because okay. my mom's middle name is Adair, right. and that's been a family name for a long time. Uh, it's easier to trace what's going on with her back through there, and it's like an English-French thing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, my dad's last name is Kugel. Kugel. K-O-O-G-L-E, which as a kid, I had you know the understanding that that was from like Von Kugel or something like that. Sounds Dutch to me. Something to that degree, right? Yeah. But it kind of, I mean, you you lose it a little bit because the, his dad and his dad and so on and so forth, uh, my great-grandpa Barney was an incredibly unreliable narrator. Barney Kugel. Barney Kugel, yeah. So he owned a speed shop in Paramount, California. What is a speed shop? So have you seen Easy Rider? I have. So they built some of the parts for the bikes on that. No and shit. And they did like, yeah, man. And for I, real? Yeah. Like for the for the movie? Yes. Like they have like signed, Whoa. like little, yeah, tchotchkes and stuff. But he was a uh, very wild, like when my great grandma passed away, Verna, Verna Kugel, bless her heart. We went to her house up in Salt Lake and they're like, they're Mormon. They were Mormon, oh. but they have these crazy. Okay. We're talking about a dare. <clears throat> uh, my bad my bad we'll hey, dip into that later yeah. this podcast goes wherever it's gonna <laughs> fucking go so just dig in homie okay <clears throat> if i have some heinous laugh it's not gonna clip right we're gonna be <laughs> no, okay you're fine. all right cool dude <laughs> i'll <Yeah>. fix it <clears throat> in post yeah so there's my mom's middle name and so yeah. uh, i rock with that because you know um i was gonna go by curtis kugel which i always have yeah and i started putting out like uh like really soft acoustic stuff and whatever and the alliteration of curtis kugel wasn't quite as sweet as curtis adair um and the kk thing is like it's just a little more harsh than curtis adair like flows. i agree i know it's a, thank it's, you, a man. it's a it's a great handle it's a, se- <laughs> it's a sexy handle <laughs> thank you thank you <clears throat> all right so <clears throat> i did a little bit of research on you okay um di- did i find a facebook page or did i not find a facebook page there's a Curtis Kugel Facebook page, but that's oh, funny that that's you say not, that because yeah. I actually need to make a Curtis Adair Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was searching for Curtis Adair. <clears throat> I didn't find it. So I must have found that you were born in Bellingham, Washington. Correct. Or did you, did you just grow up there or born there, born in Bellingham? So I was born on the back of a Greyhound bus. No shit. And I'm kidding. Oh. Um, I was born. The Lawman Brothers for you. <laughs> I was... Um, <clears throat> I was born in Bellingham, Washington. Actually, my parents have this crazy little story about how, um, and they like wrote it down, and it's this long handwritten thing about like, my mom's water broke, and there was this crazy snow, like there's this blizzard rolling through. Uh-huh. And it December was like, 30th. December is, 30th. You're going to see some snow. 96, yep. Damn. And um, mom's water broke in like the middle of the night or something like that, and uh, my sister was like two years old at that time, and... uh they went to leave the house and they just couldn't get out. Everything was just snowed under and they needed to get me to the hospital so I could be born. Right. Yeah. So they're SOL basically. And my mom calls her brother, my uncle Tommy in the middle of the night. And he's like, I'll get down there right away. Hops in his four wheel drive. And, um, uh, Anyway, just mismanages a situation and fucking like blows a half shaft or some shit. Sorry, I need to watch my. <laughs> anyway, no, you can swear. His, yeah. So anyway, swear. his I'll rig just... gets busted and yeah. the dire straits got more dire. And luckily, there was some lady cop next door who's like, "Oh, I'll get you guys there." Whatever. But my house is like a couple blocks up the road or something. So my dad just like wrapped my sister in a bunch of different blankets and stuff like that and threw her over his shoulder like Santa's sack. My mom went through like waist through waist deep snow with me in the womb and they just hiked it over to this lady cop's house and then went down to the hospital and anyway. Welcome to the world, Curtis Adair Kugel. I say all that to say (laughs) 
That was my inception. Yeah. Right. That's how I came to be. Well, it wasn't your inception. It was. It was. It was it's my origin story. Yeah. 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 I mean, we don't want to know about how you were conceived. Oh, maybe that's that's different. Inception <laughs> versus conceived. Okay. Just a yeah. point of clarification. Right. Right. Okay. Well, and then uh, when I was like three years old, we moved down to Yuma, Arizona, which mm. is a complete 180. It's the sunniest city on earth. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So then I I was raised in Yuma, Arizona, from the time I was three mm-hmm. until. Um, well, I moved to Phoenix for the first time when I graduated high school, uh, to study journalism at ASU downtown and, uh, Walter Cronkite, Walter Cronkite. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I was like, I just know that I'm going to get the hell out of here. And I didn't want to go to U of A for some reason, Uh, which in hindsight, I don't know. I think ASU was going to give me more money or something, but all right. Well, but but, all right. (laughs) Pump the brakes here. My bad. This will probably happen a couple of (laughs) times. Uh, music. Let's talk about music. Okay. Dude. Um, <laughs> I want to know uh, when music became a thing for you, and and not necessarily finding your instrument necessarily, but mm-hmm. did your folks love music? Was there music in the house? When did you kind of discover this thing, and and when did it kind of make you who you are? You know. Damn. So I have this thing in my head of like. You can either feel it or you can't. And there's people out there that make a living as a musician that I've played with, not trying to be a dick, that can't. Mm -hmm. There's people who can't play an instrument to save their lives, but they can fucking feel it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. My parents were both those people. Mm. And Mm. my dad had a guitar in the house when I was a kid because he changed the transmission for somebody and got a guitar and trade or something like that. Mm. He plucked out a couple of songs on it when I was a kid, you know, like... Shooting star, bad company, Hmm. you know, a couple little left and right things. And his real gift to me, other than having that in the house, was my parents just had wild taste. Hmm. And still to this day, they're like some of my biggest musical influences, even though they don't play. And so what were some of those records or or some of the songs Hmm. that or artists that that they loved that kind of informed your musicality? Cool. Well, my mom and dad had very different taste. My dad would be like, so he grew up in Long Beach in the 80s. And uh, around late 80s, early 90s, he was listening to, he was total metalhead. Uh-huh. So we would listen to like Metallica together. And of course he loved all of the, like he saw Metallica shitload of times on like Monster Rock Tour and stuff like that uh-huh. back in the day. So he loved listening to that stuff. But he was also there for the KNAC, you know, like Sunset Strip hair metal thing. Mm-hmm. So we'd be rocking to like Tesla, LA Guns, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so I grew up loving that shit. Yeah. And um, huh. my mom... On the other side of the coin, has always been into like really cool like alt stuff. So when I was a kid, she'd always be like, "Oh, this is what I would listen to when I was a kid, whatever." And it'd be like In Excess, um, (laughs) yeah, no, In Excess, and then other '80s bands like um, uh, XTC. Uh huh. You heard XTC? Sure. Yeah, she loved that. But then. You know, she was a young mom, and so in the early 2000s, she was just spinning whatever she thought was cool at the time. So she was a huge, like, early Feist supporter, Ah. and early Adele, early Sia. You know, she'd be listening to, like, Miss Lauryn Hill. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And um, never country in my house, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is so funny that I've done so many country gigs since then. No Just out of necessity or whatever. But my dad, being a product of uh, Long Beach at the time, he's also, like, a died in the wool sublime fan huh sure but he moved up to washington where he met my mom uh in the early 90s so the radio station there the fox from canada whatever you go from going to 80s la to 90s washington wow you're gonna be listening to holy shit tell me grunge is in there somewhere tell me like Come on, buddy. Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, <laughs> Soundgarden. STP. STP. Yeah, buddy. Oh. But my dad's like biggest ones because for me also, it wasn't like iPod necessarily at the beginning. It was like a shitload of burned mix CDs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so you'd get a total mix. So you'd mm-hmm. have like my mom's Violent Femmes on there. Yeah. And then you'd have Mother Love Bone. No shit. You know what I mean? Whoa. But. Another thing being in that era, my dad didn't really embrace it in first, but now he's a huge fan of, have you heard a band called The Tragically Hip? Yeah, sure. Huge hip fan. Huh. Yeah. So Aren't they out of Canada? Yes. Tragically Hip out of Canada. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir. Violent Femmes, man. I remember, my brother got the cassette for Christmas. Mm-hmm. 
and my mother thought it was like a, a little racy because there was a well it was because it was violent femmes she thought the name was like oh i don't know this is you know yeah those, i mean it's just so interesting who are musicians that and what do they play because of the music that that they listen to all right mm -hmm. so in yuma yeah going to high school mm -hmm. listening to records mm -hmm. uh getting inspired when do you find your voice and 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 your guitar and you mentioned drums so did you play drums at some point so walk me through that whole thing well you know how like <clears throat> you have a house dog that is like super super close with their family where they think it's a child and the dog acts like it thinks it's a human mm -hmm. that's how i have always been with adults so i've mm -hmm. been like 10 and i've always thought that i was like 40 mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so from the beginning i have always been listening to like old shit and hanging out with older kids and whatever and that's just always been my thing so listening to music it goes back like that mm -hmm. and i remember the first time that i played a drum was at uh, one of my friend's house and his older brother had a drum set and I was just sold from that point on went and got a drum set played that was a huge kiss fan as a kid and uh, so I would just listen to the records and I would play kiss ACDC the easy stuff in the beginning but then also what was playing in my house so like no doubt mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. try and get along with those mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so drums was the first instrument yes sir when I was seven mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. seven is I don't even know what grade is that is that a is that uh no clue. Third grade, fourth grade. I mean, it was just like a school situation. You, you, so you didn't do like the school band thing. You're, you're just like a, a, a stay-at-home rocker. Um, That's not a thing, by the way. <laughs> it was during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. When I was, um, so yeah, I, I started at home just playing drums on my own, and then I have to mention the church. So I was raised in the church. I don't. I mean, whatever. But um. So you get a ton of reps playing in the church. Uh -huh. And so when I was seven, got my kit, fast forward to when I'm like 10, 11, I start playing in the church and I'm just playing drums all the time. Mm -hmm. In like um, the church band? In the church yeah, yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you get a lot of reps and you get something that's just, you can't even put a price on it, getting to play with other musicians a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that just sharpens you so fast. And what? And obviously the music, uh, what it wasn't secular music, right? It was so what, Christian music or something? And, mm -hmm. and would you get a chart? Or would they just give you the song and you learn it? Like, how? how what's the process for a 10-year-old or whatever to, mm -hmm. to play drums in a church? I mean, it was pretty free flow at that time where they would just, like, play it over the PA a couple times and you go, got it. And then you make your own version of it, basically. Okay. Just playing it back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was one of those situations where you do practice and then you have two hours till service or whatever. Got you. Because uh, they put me on, like, the night services or something. And uh, the other kids that were there were totally down to jam. So we jammed for, like, two hours. And I was there a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it, and was the church band, was it all like kind of just local community kind of volunteers or, or were there some hired guns? Mm -hmm. Like what was the dynamic with that? It was all volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. I just got lucky with yeah. people that were good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was fun. Show you a few things. I did do school band though. Mm. So you go to, when I was in fifth grade, there was like a pre, um, there was like a pre band thing where you could go as a fifth grader and like kind of just like play the bells, like the glockenspiel mm -hmm. and, um, hated that. And they had a drum set set up and I was like, hey, can I play that? And she was like, sure. And then she was like, hey, when you get into middle school, would you like to play in the jazz band? Mm. I was like, sure. So I played drums in jazz band, sixth, seventh grade, got kicked out in eighth grade, started again in freshman year of high school, played freshman through junior year, had a disagreement with the teacher, didn't play senior year. How did you get kicked out of in eighth grade? Like what would happen? Um, so there was like a scandal I can't really go super into it, Interesting. but, um, the teacher had to go away Okay, and who they replaced with. I just didn't got you. It really bummed me out and yeah. I just started acting up really bad. I and, see. uh, so I was just being a little shithead. And so they were just like, all right, we, you're distracting everybody. Like get out of here. Huh? So, yeah. Okay. So, I and then you went, and then you went back though in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a blast. Yeah. I, I, to this day, I love playing jazz. I'm not yeah. like trained like as far as like knowing all the disciplines and that just might be my own laziness yeah you know what i mean but it's just so fun to sit in with people that are able to improvise and like trade eights mm -hmm. and shit like that mm -hmm. and so it's something that's still very near and dear to me can't play jazz guitar to save my life but drums yeah yeah no shit mm -hmm. 
I was I I played jazz drums in in high school too. Really? <clears throat> yeah. I didn't know that, and I've heard the podcast a couple times, and I haven't heard it mentioned. So maybe I needed to deep dive, dude. <laughs> you don't yeah. like to put on airs about your multi-talented, you know? <laughs> right. Okay, cool. Humble well, guy, so humble. I uh, no, I was a drummer first, and um, and uh, I, I I I too loved it. There was there's something so freeing about it. Yes. You know, <clears throat> and it, and I think it made me a better rhythm guitar player because you just start to you start to see th music differently and you start to understand what a what pocket is and what syncopation is and 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 it totally informed right how now. my hands work mm. and how I play because now I'm 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 not thinking necessarily in downbeats now I'm thinking in you know it, I don't know it just it was a it was a huge education for me and I you know, cause I'm not a, I'm not a lead shredder. I'm like, I'm like a suit. I'm like a, I'm like a C plus acoustic guitar player. <laughs> no shit. But what I do think I'm good at is filling a role in a band. And I got that, I think from playing drums in jazz band awesome. in high school. Yeah. yeah. All right. So when did you find the guitar? What's the next step for you? It was just a mix in there somewhere. So it's like, uh, when I was in fifth grade, there was a talent show coming up and I was going to do like a big drum solo. And then I was just like, uh, no, um, I want to play guitar. Hmm. And so I learned a, like I made like a little Metallica medley, like acoustic medley of like intros and stuff. And I played that in fifth grade and I was just hooked because mm -hmm. it was like the action on that guitar that he had was like really high. Mm -hmm. and it was like hard to play for my little hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I still got little hands, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tough it out, dude. No. <laughs> anyway, I went ahead and uh, I played that and I just got hooked from that point. And then yeah. it was like every outlet I had from that point, I just tried to play acoustic. And um, my dad had like a, uh, like an Ibanez half stack and a, um, uh, a stargazer like tv order strat copy and so just played the piss out of that when i get home from school just play yeah. the piss out of that guitar dude that's so, funny yeah what was the metallica record that you were super hip to um hmm i mean tell me it was black at least or something right i mean i'm i'm trying to think of your metallica medley in my head and i'm not like a big metallica guy but mm -hmm. i personally liked um <clears throat> I like to kill them all because mm -hmm. you know, it has like whiplash and it has like more of their thrash stuff on it. Mm -hmm. But, um, metal purists will be like thrash. What are you talking about? But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not like highfalutin in any regard. I'm not trying to gatekeep any genre, but it's just like, yeah, I loved that. Um, I loved them all really. But the one that my dad had in the, um, the one that he had in the truck that was getting just like spun until it couldn't spin anymore was master puppets oh yeah 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 holy so, shit i don't really listen to that stuff anymore if i'm being honest unless i need to get somewhere really fast you know what i mean <laughs> but um yeah it just has like some simple intros a lot of the intros from black which is where they have well, some more like acoustic expression yeah well right it wasn't that on black uh one no yeah that's what i'm thinking i think that was on injustice for all okay see i don't know yeah. my metallica uh yeah i just it was like uh fade to black Master of Puppets and Justice, or um, uh, it doesn't matter, but it's just whatever has yeah. a cute little acoustic intro. I just yeah. butchered and <laughs> it felt good, man. It felt good. <laughs> so here we are. Um, all right. So graduate high school, I'm assuming. Close. I did. Closely. I, I, did. I did. Just barely. Definitely. I don't know. Well, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't there a ton my senior year. So yeah. I, would, I remember the day of graduation. I was just like pleading, just like, I know I have these absences, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I made it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And did you do the college thing? Yeah. So I did one year at ASU downtown. Yeah. I did journalism at Cronkite for a semester. And then I just like, I hated it. I just didn't like being downtown at that time. I don't know why. Not having a car, not knowing anybody. I couldn't get into bars and yada yada. I was just like... What year was this? 2015. Holy shit. So downtown has changed a lot since then. Oh my God, uh, yeah. For young people, mm -hmm. uh, especially, I would say. Because it's like now, I, I kick around downtown. They have like... Have you seen that Fusion on First Building? For like, I, I don't know what that is. ASU has like a pop program now. You can get a degree in pop music. Oh, okay. And it's like fully stocked studios. They have a yeah. they have a baby grand that is signed by it's either a baby or a real grand, but a white grand piano signed by Yoko Ono in there. Oh my! Like just fully stocked studios mm -hmm. and like practice spaces you can use twenty four seven. Yeah, wild. Well, the the whole the whole concept of like a music degree 
has changed so much in the last 20 years with technology, right? Mm -hmm. And 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, music programs uh, in college, it was either, you know, you're going to be a teacher, you know, maybe there was a jazz program, but that was basically it, you know? So my friend uh, Garrison uh, teaches down there Mm -hmm. and he, you know, and and so it, it just... It's evolved so much. The whole concept of a music degree is evolving so much. And the interesting thing to me is that, you know, throughout this entire whatever, last hundred years, popular music has been on the radio, but no one was teaching it, right? Mm -hmm. And now you can go to a class and learn how to write a pop song. I mean, like, holy shit, how fortunate are we? Yeah. Or kids or whatever yeah. that you can go do that if that's what you want you can actually go you can learn how to dj you can learn you know uh pro tools or logic you can i mean all these all the tools that you just had to figure it out back in the day you know <laughs> yeah. just like well i don't know fuck around fuck around and find out or yeah. what the <laughs> you know, i don't know yeah yeah all right so what happens after a semester at Cronkite? um i went to um W.P. Carey in Tempe. But uh-huh. I was still living downtown, so I switched to business and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Did that for another semester before I ended up just calling it, and I went home. Um, home I to a, Yuma. Yeah, home yeah. to Yuma, mm-hmm. uh, which then started, you know, the hero's journey. It was like, you know, I'm down and out. I'm at rock bottom, and we can only go up from here. Moved but, back home with the folks. Yeah. And, womp, womp, womp. Got a job and did oh, all yeah. that. Many jobs. And what was, uh, so the, you said 15, so 16, 17, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, uh, were you gigging out there? So when I first got home, no, I was going to community college and I was working as a barista and I was just going to finish up my associates. I still didn't have any idea what I wanted to do, you know? Um, <clears throat> but I got my associates and like right around the time I was wrapping that up, I was jamming at a friend's house and like learning about, I was really getting into electric guitar, like tone shaping at that time, like pedals and whatnot. Cause I had not had a tube amp before that, hmm. you know? And so I was really like, Oh, this can sound gorgeous. And they can sound like all the alt records that were huge at that time. Like, you know, Kings of Leon, Arctic monkeys, and then throw it back to you too. And like all of the eighties guitar sounds that I loved is like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, there's some other stuff in the signal chain that you need to learn about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, jamming with one of my buddies uh, at his house, and someone walked in and was like, hey, we just lost our guitar player in this bar band. Uh, do you want to join? And I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted, of course. Yeah. And so for the next like three years, I played in a country bar band in Yuma, huh. just ripping telly. And uh, self-taught then on guitar, or did yep. you take lessons? Or And, and what, was the, what was the model? Like, what, what, like, where were you finding your information? How were you teaching yourself? Um... I guess by ear most of the time I just listened to stuff and then like my dad taught me basic power chords Mm -hmm. and then like learning in the church every now and again Mm. someone come and be like oh do this Mm. you know this is a seven or this is a minor seven or you know okay yeah and then YouTube I mean YouTube the golden age of YouTube so you know this is what the pentatonic scale looks like this is the blues scale and then getting in that bar band my buddy Tyler actually helped me a lot because I could like noodle in one spot but he'd be like okay this is a one four five yeah songs in a but if it's a country song, you might need to use the relative minor. You might huh. need to use this. You might need to use that. So you learned theory on YouTube. I still am, I don't really have much theory up my sleeve, to be honest with you, but I can get through a song because you hit a note and you instantly know if it's right or not. You know what I mean? But there's yeah. shapes where you can just kind of like feel around and every mm-hmm. now and again you get in a situation where you just go into like a solo or something like that and it's like this transcendental thing where your eyes roll back in your head and yeah. you just kind of like... Right, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But that's crazy. I still got a lot to learn, man. I really that's do have crazy. a lot to learn. I mean, it, it, just the, just the resources. If, if you're, if you're kind of coming up, finding instruments and, and mm-hmm. getting inspired, the resources available on YouTube alone, let alone, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I'm just, I'm impressed, man. It, and all right. So this is all this is all sounding like I'm this amazing guitar player too and I, well, I want to say I'm not you, I'm, no, I'm not like trying to gas myself up no know? you but you are a very talented guitar player Thank and you. and and self-taught and and did the research and put the time in and tell me about the experience so all right so you must be what early tw- late teens early 20s playing in this country band yeah my my early 20s the whole time I was I was just yeah. playing with that country band you know it was country and classic rock and yeah. so what was this? What was the set list like? And what was the what were the tunes that you were playing? 
Yeah. So I guess it was whatever the people in Yuma wanted to hear, which, you know, you go certain places and you hear those bands playing a lot of that same stuff. And it's just kind of like, there's like a, a, a uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? not a dictionary, but there's like this vernacular. There's this, this like Rolodex of like, these are the songs that everyone pulls from. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, anyway, set list. So let's see, we'd start with, uh, little sister Dwight Yoakam, right? Uh-huh. Which is an Elvis rip. Uh, do that little too late Tanya Tucker. Uh, then we'll roll into like, um, uh, you know, long train running. And then, so you're just mixing country yeah. with, you know, and then you throw in a couple modern country tunes people want to hear. We had right. a guy that would play lap in the band every now and again. Cool. You know, so that was, that was badass. And then, um, I would sing on like a handful of the songs, which was fun. I would sing like, uh, Rebel Rebel, American Girl, uh, you can, it, I Believe it, in a Thing Called Love by Darkness. Yeah. I believe in a thing called love. People would love so that. you got that high, sh- you got that high shit. Mm-hmm. So you can sing American Girl in original key. I do. Holy fuck me, dude! That's darkness is the gnarlier one. That's that is gnarly. <laughs> I mean, talk about talk about range that that cat. It's not um, always flattering, but I mean, you hit the note and people are like, "Wow, that was cool." Right. I right. guess you know. I sing it like four octaves down. <laughs> uh, that's that's a that's a pretty diverse list of of tunes yeah. styles genres approaches so that that probably was a great education just kind of in and of itself it really was and it really brought me around to listening to a lot of country stuff which like in my free time i wouldn't listen to a lot of country stuff but it's mm-hmm. like i can't really put a price on how helpful that was to me moving here because people be like hey this gig that pays this much and it's all countries three hours of country or something like that now i'm missing out on 300 bucks if i wouldn't have known that right you know what i mean right so i just try to wear as many hats as i can here and being a multi-instrumentalist i clean up a lot of you know just like diverse stuff like there's stuff that's really satisfying for me to play like um a couple of times i've done a trio with i'll play drums and sing um and it's me this guy named Gus Campbell on guitar, who's, he's the goat. He's insane. No shit. And Dylan and, Paul Thomas on bass. Oh, I know Dylan. Come on. Yeah, DPT. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan. I come Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, we've done a couple gigs like that, and that has just been the most fun, I think, that I've had since I've been here, because it's just like, we can do, can we do anywhere. a Steely Dan song. We do, um, um oh man. That one? No, 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 no. It has to be one that's like easy for a trio to play. It's, um. It's like their biggest fucking song. I don't know why I can't remember it, dude. Do it again? Is, yes. Yeah, yeah, we do do it again nice. as a trio. So that's fun. Wow. And then we'll do, yeah, and then we'll do, you know, just like some blues, some R&B and stuff. And then we'll mix in like strokes or whatever people want to hear. It's just like. And what fun. band is this? Dude, we need to come up with a name and be busy. But it's, you know, it's more of like a, it's like guerrilla work. It's like mercenary work for them. But where because you, they have other where, stuff to do. Where oh. are you doing this? We did it at um, the Uncommon in Chandler sure. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And then we did a private backyard party one time for Gus's law school. And um, yeah, we need to record some of that stuff because it, they, they're a sick unit. I'm <laughs> not like putting myself up there. It's like, it, they are a sick unit, dude. And it's a privilege to get to play with Gus sometimes. Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. He's a bad man. He lives here. Yeah. He's going to law school. He's not super. Uh, he's not like super active in the cover scene anymore. I don't mm-hmm. think because he's he's doing his whole thing. But him and and Dylan locking in, and uh, you know how Dylan is as a as a um, uh, like an improvisationalist mm-hmm. or a soloist. Mm-hmm. His tone is just like take me on a ride, dude. Yeah, no, he's great. He's great. He's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Let's um let's take a break. But yeah, I want to talk about I want to talk about Steely Dan for sure with you. Hell yeah, man. Okay. And then um, I also want to talk about that tune. Uh, what is gin and uh, gin and citrus? No, what is it? Called? Yeah, is that what it's called? You got it, dude. Fucking nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about that tune because mm-hmm. you sent it to me, and I was like, "Fuck, this sounds like you know." Back in the day, I would take pop tunes and kind of like rearrange them for just a solo acoustic thing and i was like fuck is this a cover of a of like a new popular tune and you're like no bro uh i wrote that shit i was like (laughs) okay let's go let's have a chat so all right so we're taking a break but just to say this out loud so don't forget we're talking about steely dan we're talking about fucking gin and citrus lately i've 
sent it to me out of nowhere uh, and I'm so glad you did because I'm really impressed with your approach vocally harmonically your playing is great thanks man. tell me about um, how that song came about tell me about how how you recorded it walk me through the whole thing so that song, which the recording took a really long time because um, I was chasing the initial voice memo. Hmm. So something about iPhone compression and just the way that it sounds on playback with just like, because you know, like a front address, large diaphragm condenser right in the middle of your voice and your guitar. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that has the magic, mm -hmm. right? Every now and again, the iPhone has the magic. Mm -hmm. And my hmm. performance was just killer. And it was right when I started seeing this girl and... um. I really, she was like, oh, you write songs? And I was like, she didn't sound like that. That's so <laughs> stupid. That's so stupid I did that. No, but anyway, I wanted to send her something, and I was like, dude, I have to nail this. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I did like a zillion iPhone takes, and then I got one that was killer. Yeah. And I sent it to her, and she was, yeah, loved it. Yeah. We've been together ever since. But No shit? Uh, yeah, man. Fucking success and, story. Yeah, huge success. Come anyway, on. Um, that being said, I'm like, every time we went in the studio, which we have like a little home studio set up, yeah. me and my, my roommate in our, at our house, and um, it just wasn't coming out and it was like really bothering me. And then I set a deadline for myself and I'm like, I'm just going to get it done on this day. Uh -huh. And um, my roommate travels a lot for work. And I was like, you know what? Hey, we're not going to make it happen in this room uh, in this time frame. I'm going to go to my other friend's house and we cut it in his living room. Um, One take or uh, was it live and or mm -hmm. did you did you kind of do the guitar first and then do the vocal and then add the harmony and then the because there's some also some synthy bits in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Always do vocals and acoustic at the same time. So mm -hmm. far in my career, I'm not going to put like uh, boundaries on myself to be like, this is always how I do it. But mm -hmm. when it's something that's that stripped back, you get a little bit more soul in the performance, in my opinion, just mm -hmm. song to song basic basis. But that's what we did. Just sat down in his living room and I played guitar and sang it. Um, layered vocals in different places. Um, I added bass. And then we spent hours and hours looking for the right pad sound to add mm -hmm. for the tiny bit of sauce. Mm -hmm. And it ended up just being some stock pad sound that was on like some Yamaha keyboard he had. It was like some stock organ thing and rolled the top end off mm -hmm. and uh, hmm. just laid down some pads. So, Fucking hell. Hmm. That's impressive. I mean, you know, and that's in that approach, the live guitar and vocal thing, if you're not miking it correctly, can get a little squirrely. So true. So... What was the setup? So um, we just used whatever he had because I, I was in this kind of headspace of like there's 13, 14 year olds out there making hit records in their mm -hmm. room in 30 seconds. Right. And you're over here getting precious about what kind of small diaphragm condenser you're using and the mm -hmm. placement and yada, yada, yada. Right. Anyway, so I was like, just set up the fucking session. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And he had a it was like a road, I think, like the cheap road. It's mm -hmm. like NT1 or something. That was probably like a foot from my face or something. And then uh, had like a, a, a figure eight side address, large diaphragm, like kind of hmm. right off of my 12th fret. And then hmm. had my, which this ended up causing problems in post. But I have my one mic that I think is like the vibe, mm. um, which is my Biodynamic M160 little ribbon mic. 
mm-hmm. and had the ribbon mic uh, in the place that I might normally have a small diaphragm condenser. And we had that and we had it cranked, but it caused so much hiss mm-hmm. in the end that he had to use some kind of plug in to like get rid of all of that. Right. And it added, it didn't add, it took away obviously, but it kind of gave this character that's a little bit like dusty. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of feel my hands on the fingerboard a little right. bit more in it. And I'm just like, damn, yeah, I like that. That, that finger on string kind of thing. Yes, Is that sir. what you mean? Yeah, that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hear it in like at one point where I'm like dragging. Right. You kind of hear it. And it's like the way that because the guitar on both of my recordings has turned out kind of squashed. I'm mm-hmm. neither here nor there about it, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, part of it's just me playing on a quiet guitar mm-hmm. and like not playing loud enough and gain staging, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's a little squashed, but there's parts in there where you get that woodiness where I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. yes. I love that. And I, and I, there, there, there was a moment, there, there are a couple lines where you, you don't dig into the vibrato, but you, but you let it be. And, and I'm such a fan of that. Um, we were just listening last night to Jeff Buckley. Are you hip to Jeff Buckley? Oh my God. If I, one of my biggest inspirations on recording, mm-hmm. like when I first did coffee house stuff before I was getting paid to play, mm-hmm. it was a tube amp with the reverb cranked mm-hmm. and my voice and, mm-hmm. and a telly. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I need to get in that ethereal. Mm-hmm. Obviously he, he'll never be beat. But mm. yeah, that beautiful thing is definitely, that's like, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I heard it in the voice. Mm. And I'm like, I wonder if he knows Jeff Buckley, because if he doesn't, he's, his mind will be blown. <laughs> you like, get hip to this, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you well, don't want to sit down. Yeah. Well, it, it, it really does. There's, there's a, there's a charm. There's an honesty to the, to those. We listened to a couple of your tunes and, and you can find Curtis's stuff, um, on Spotify and, you know how how and where you record will always be changing mm-hmm. the all of the bits the mics will change the placements will change mm-hmm. you will change but damn bullshit doesn't last mm-hmm. and and honesty does mm-hmm. and i felt it when i heard that tune i i i i'm i was just like this is it man this cat Damn. understands how to do it. And again, things might change and mm-hmm. things will change. That, that, that's what we know. We know mm-hmm. things will change. But delivering a performance and feeling it and, and understanding it internally, that's it. And, and anyway, I'm, I'm very impressed. Thank uh, you, man because the song you know the I just, you know I'm, I'm i bounce your work off of my work at 26 and fuck i don't even i don't even want to talk about what i was doing at 26 oh, but i know and not and not to be like all about age or whatever but you you have a you have you have developed a thing that is well beyond uh what it should be and not not Fuck, not what it should be. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm hearing everything you're not saying. Dude. Okay, good. My heart is yeah. swelling with pride right now. But <laughs> you know as much as you and I have worked, I'm not even saying, not to bring the age thing into it, I'm kidding. But as much as you and I have worked, I mean, at some point we're out here on these, you know, people could be pretty degrading about doing the quote-unquote chitlin circuit or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, dancing for your dinner. You're just right. a monkey with some symbols up there half the time. Yeah. It's like when you get to, you get the, the blessed opportunity to sit there and cut something that really fucking matters to you. Mm-hmm. It's a cleansing breath. Mm-hmm. And if you, if I mean all the pieces align and you get to put that down on a recording, it's mm-hmm. like you go, Oh, that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I'm here for. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like you have something to say? Yeah. Yeah. That's important. Well, I remember that, um, there's some David Bowie interview where he was talking about like, you have to remember the whole reason that you started doing this. And I'm not going to direct quote him because my memory's not that great. Um, was that in doing it, you could learn more about yourselves and others through the art mm-hmm. and like through your expression, like help everyone understand more about this thing that we're doing here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was to that effect, but I was just like, he's right. Like if you're doing that, that's you made it mm-hmm. you made it there's an incubus quote somewhere where they were like the best part of making it was making it mm-hmm. just like making the music mm-hmm. and it's like that's so true i look at my situation now and my situation five years ago and it'd be like 
yo, you got to do what? Mm-hmm. You hung out with who? You played where? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You played your original songs and people liked it? Mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. already made it. Mm-hmm. There's no like, oh, I got signed or I'm torn the world. It's like, it will never get better than it is right now if you're making music that matters to you. What was the inspiration behind the lyric of, of that song? Um, so I was in a relationship for like five years, starting my last semester of high school, and it ended during the pandemic. Um, and the song is, you know, show me that you want me to stay. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. that was ending at the time that I was starting another relationship where I felt like I wasn't. It's weird to go from being basically one person with another person, which you then learn is not healthy Mm -hmm. to be this symbiotic one unit, this oneness, especially growing up in the Christian church where you become one flesh Hmm. with your marriage. You know Hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I am no longer an individual. I've lost self a sense of self with this person and all of your disappointment in yourself goes on that person. This, that, and the other thing, whatever I'm leaving that. And then I'm going to this relationship with this other person. And there's this multifaceted nuanced thing where it's like, show me that you want me to stay is this doubt in myself that I have where I'm a total stranger to someone else. Mm-hmm. And then I'm stranger to myself in this past relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it just feels like I needed to be felt as a person by this person. Well, by either party. And I'm not saying that I was like two timing or anything like that. I'm just saying like, I just felt so alone in that time like no one knew who I was anymore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was like, including you, that's what I'm saying. Right. And it was like with the previous party, it was like, well, you know, you don't want this anymore Then whatever it's over. Like it's, it's not going anywhere. Um, we're cutting ties, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's done. But then it's like, well, now there's this part of myself that's missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm reaching out in the universe and it's like, if you can't light your own candle, it'll never stay lit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so, my cup was not full at the time time mm-hmm. of writing this song, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a longing thing. I mm-hmm. think the themes of a lot of my music during you know 2020, 2021 that I was writing, not that I wrote a lot of music, but there's a big emptiness to it all, mm-hmm. you know. But mm-hmm. it's almost a happy song in a way, because "Show Me That You Want Me to Stay" is the same same kind of you're applying that to yourself as it's like don't lose yourself. Yeah, you know, it's sh- a little you show me that you want me to stay. Right, it's a little bit. It's planting a flag a little bit. It's like, d- d- it's a declaration. You yeah. know, it's it's it, it is a mm-hmm. maybe not a power move, but it is it is a it is a glimpse or a a flash of declare this. Yeah. You know, for me or you know to myself or to the other person or the other person to you. It's a it's a bit like. Yeah, I get that sense. It's like you're standing your ground a little bit. You know, which is a, which is sense of identity and all that Mm -hmm. you know well that that that's uh it's a great it's a great tune i encourage i encourage folks to check it out and um it's not gin and citrus it's gin plus citrus (laughs) what is the deal with that (laughs) i just didn't i don't know i was just being cheeky and i was like you know super cheeky also i want to say that whenever you say a song means a certain thing i don't want to be like the pretentious guy who's like which pretension, pretension, whatever. As artists, we can be whatever we want to be. But it's like, whatever it means to you is what it means. Once you put right. the song out in the world, it is. It belongs to everyone else. Right. You know what I mean. Right. You, in, in a sense, you, you lose control over the dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, because everyone can find a yes a thing within it and mm-hmm. make it their own, and and it almost doesn't matter. Straight up, the inspiration for the song. But I was curious, you know, yeah. as a songwriter, to 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 hear. But you know, everyone's gonna take it and do with it what they will. Yeah, and you have no control over that. Yeah, you you had control over the one thing, and that was writing it, recording it, releasing it. Mm-hmm. Now your job is done, and you have no say in the matter. And it can mean different things to you as time right. goes on. Right, exactly. You know, that's a whole another thing. Yeah, you yeah. know. Well, let's uh, let's we talk. Said we we're going to talk about gin and citrus and steely. Motherfucking Dan. Uh, what's your take on it? Okay. <laughs> so, Do you remember the first time you heard Steely Dan? What the song was? Dude. 
you keep teeing them up for me, man. Well, Earlier shit. you were talking about drumming, and I was gonna be like free. It feels free, and you said free, and I was like, I feel like I've known you. I'm trying to touch, I'm like trying to touch your hand across the table. We can hold hands. Hey, man, this is this. this I haven't been touched in so long. <laughs> Close the blinds. Anyway, so. Um, I was actually on the way to like some kind of like summer band recital thing for jazz drums. And um, we had one of the big uh, like zip up CD things. Uh, and Case just, logic, motherfucker. He, Come on. You know. So I'm well, yeah, I grew up with that shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny. You're talking about technology that like, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's we, when we went. We've been anywhere. alive at the same time. man. I know. I know. But, it, you know, like that's what we did. We had mm-hmm. I had a huge case logic. It had 50 CDs in it with all the artwork in it. And it was it was alphabetized. Mm. It was mm. organized. You know, holy shit! All right, so you had a case logic full of CDs, right? And I'm sitting there in the back of the truck, and I'm just kind of, I go, "What is this?" And I go, "My dad's like, oh, let me put you on," and it's the greatest hits of Steely Dan or whatever. Steely Dan Gold. I think the first, one of the first songs because you know you just like watch a little track one, track two, track three, yeah. like in the black and green, whatever. Yeah. And he'd be like, "Black Friday." Oh. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's going to ease you in. He's going to ease you in at first, right? Black nice, Friday. B- nice bluesy number. Right. Then Bodhisattva. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's just easing you in at this point. Okay. Wow. And then, are you ready for this? Boom. He goes, FM. Babylon Sisters. Oh. You know what I mean? Bang, bang, bang. Danger. And then I go, okay, I'll take it from here. <laughs> and I had the internet. So then I started getting really hooked on. And to to this day, some of my favorite stuff is like the jazzier, they're not jazzier, uh, the dancier stuff that they do, huh. where it's like funky, but with like an O, like funky. Like, okay. I'm talking the Fez. Oh, yeah. The Fez and um, uh, Daddy Don't Live in New York City No More. Yeah, or was, yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's just like some of those songs, like they'll have like bass panned hard left or something. Yeah. And it's just like, uh Production... I mean, they they kind of revolutionized production and the whole studio process. They were a band driven, obviously, by Walter Becker and Donald Fagan, but the band was malleable. The band kind of came and went, and members changed depending on the tune Mm. and the amount of time that they spent in the studio getting just that right thing. Um yeah, I remember hearing those records for the first time and, and thinking, A, mm-hmm. they were so diverse. You could go, you could have blues, jazz, mm-hmm. rock, country, mm-hmm. folky, groovy. Full horns on like Caves of Altamira. Yeah. You know what One I mean? of my favorites. Yeah. And, and and then the next record is completely different. And I mean, yeah, it, it just, it was, that was education to me. That was how... I love a diverse. I love a record that 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 sends me on a journey, and yeah. and displays different things. You know, I'm getting pumped, dude. Yeah, I'm literally, I get so excited talking yeah. about this. No, it's just, I mean, you know, and I have friends who who hate them, and and I get it, man. It's not for everybody, but <laughs> those it was, are friends. <laughs> it, it was so important to me, and it's it's a whole approach, and and like it or not, understand the approach. Mm-hmm. At least use it as a tool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, I love that shit. I, you know, I, I had a, my, my middle brother, uh, was a big fan. And so I would steal his tapes and, you know, this is back, you know, back in the day. And, and my favorite record, uh, is Gaucho, you know, Damn. Gaucho from the eighties. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Oh, I do have Gaucho. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, because it's like, it's the the synth tones are super cool. I mean the the production they just they figured the shit out. It's it's a super cool record. Really dark and 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 vibey, uh, but you know also some really groovy tunes. So definitely check out okay, Gaucho. We got Babylon Sisters. Yeah. Hey nights. Hey nineteen. I mean hey nineteen like. It's it's too much, man. I, <laughs> I I'm like, it's just too much. It's too much, man. It's too much. Here's, and, yeah. And then let's talk about the Grateful Dead. You mentioned the Grateful Dead. Uh, okay. Hit me. Well, I'll, before we move on to that. Oh, sorry. I would say, well, just where that all stands, Steely Dan, I think you'll probably vibe with this take. Mm-hmm. What Steely Dan meant to me is growing up in a time where you could hear not in a time where in my little head in my little experience in a time where we'd be listening to something i'd go 
how is he getting that kick? And my mm-hmm. dad would be like, no, Bonzo's playing with one pedal. And mm-hmm. you hear that little squeak mm-hmm. when he does the double kick. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking like unfinished, un, you know, just like varnished patina to shit is mm-hmm. like the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if mm-hmm. I hear something like really tight, like whatever Maroon 5 was on the radio or whatever at the time, I was like, dude, fuck this. It's too like, slick. Yeah, it's too slick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you could easily fall back into being like, okay, so if you're not bringing your A game, if you, if you know theory, that's lame. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. people are doing really complicated shit, that's lame. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then you realize how difficult it is to execute that and that funk is not magic. Funk is math. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To make everything work exactly where it's supposed to go do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? A la mm-hmm. Bootsy Collins, mm-hmm. a la Prince. You know that Steely Dan has the entire... just they have the whole breadth of everything that they can pick from and the taste that they employ doing that Mm -hmm. and they don't care that it's the most polished amazing thing that you've ever heard because they care so much that's the most punk rock shit you can have right there Hmm. in my opinion now Hmm. i might be putting on airs for this band because i am biased obviously but it's like we're gonna do a guitar solo you can have one guy and go in there and go yeah i don't care and just like rip a guitar solo. That's cool. They'll go, let's get five of the heaviest cats we know to come in and cut this solo. We'll decide who's the best and then throw that on the record for the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's rock and roll, dude. Well, it, it certainly is intentional. Yeah. I, I will tell you that. And, and, you know, it's funny because those guys were really deep in the blues and really deep into jazz. Mm-hmm. And it's... They, you can hear both of those things, but the, but the production, it was just next level and it was so intentional. That's what I love about, there's no, everything from the drums to the background vocals to the outros. Like I learned so much from Steely Dan Mm. just to how to create a vibe. And so you're taking all these very specific things and applying it to the greater picture, Mm -hmm. right? I want this vibe. I want this atmosphere. Mm. I want this to feel this way. Mm. We're talking about very kind of like nebulous concepts based on these very specific things. You Mm -hmm. know, the whole concept of the outro, I learned from Steely Dan. The whole concept of storytelling, I would say, I learned from Steely Dan. There's just, there's just a lot there, you know, and you can, and you can shrug it off uh, as Yacht Rock or, you know, ex jazzers that are doing some proggy shit or whatever. And it's like, sure, you can look at it like that, but take a minute, just take a second to think about it, Mm -hmm. especially for a musician. Just take a step back and look at what they did. Mm -hmm. Like it or not, appreciate it. You don't even have to understand it. Just appreciate it as, as a work of art that, because every brush stroke, was intentional straight up and that's and that's how i want to be i i don't want it to feel like a bunch of cats just got in a room and cut a thing mm-hmm. no i i i think about things i organize things i want a certain texture i want a tone i'm you know so anyway well yeah well hats off to you also and your recreations of some of their stuff where it's like it's equally as an intentional for a different vibe and you're capturing a vibe yeah you know, you're got your guys recording sound great when we listen to dr Wu out there on the break if you people have not heard it, please listen. <laughs> Dude, those records you did are sick. Thanks, They're man. sick, man. Thanks, man. But anyway, I cut you off about the dead. That's my Yeah, bad. well, let's, let's go dead. Yeah. Let's go dead. Okay, yeah. I don't want this to run on all day, my bad. I don't want to take all your time. I know it's your day off, bro. But I could I could rap for hours, man. I know. I really could. Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> You're like, I know it, you can. No, no. no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation mm-hmm. for sure. Well, it was like when I... Um, I told you I, I went to WP Carey after I went to Cronkite yeah. and I would ride the bus. I just wanted to be in Tempe because I was like, I thought that I was missing out on the college experience being in downtown or something like that. I don't know why, but, um, I would ride the bus to Tempe to and from every day. And I would just be like, I'm going to listen to new music mm-hmm. every time. And so it was downtown to Tempe, downtown to Tempe, just listen to all kinds of stuff. And I also rode the Greyhound to see my girlfriend that was in Tucson a couple of times. And I was like, 
I had talked to like a distant uncle of mine at some point. It was a huge deadhead that was like a frat boy in like the late seventies, early eighties at university of Washington. So obviously he's a ridiculous deadhead, <laughs> like huge Ibanez collector. You know what I mean? He's like, Oh, you got to listen to Warfare rat. You got to listen to black star. You got to listen to, you know? Yeah. And so he's like, Oh, let's do live 19, whatever, you know? Yeah. I was just like yeah. a huge bootleg cat. Right? Yeah. And I was just Cornell like, 72 motherfucker. Fucking blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, man, I bought a, I bought a nitrous balloon outside of that one time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, okay. Um, so I started listening to stuff and I started, I started with the popular stuff. Like I started with Shakedown Street. Sure. You know what I mean? And I was like, I can definitely get into this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Talk about uh -uh. groove, man. Fuck. Yeah. No, two drummers. Easy. I mean, what, you're going to get that thick, mm -hmm. just that thick groove. Mm -hmm. Two drummers are, you know, Shakedown, that, that's an interesting way to, to, to think of, you know, I thought you were going to say like friend of the devil, like, uh, Maybe not Working Man's Dead, but but some of those earlier records are a little bit more accessible, mm. I would say, as an acoustic guitar player. Box uh, of Rain yeah. type stuff, yeah. But Shakedown, that's one of my favorites, man. Yeah. Well, I Disco Dead. That's mm. I, it, The Arista, mm. when they were on Arista. Okay. Uh, the, the label, there, there was a couple records there. Um, fuck, I, I don't remember all the names, but uh, Shakedown was, was part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got me. I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not a huge deadhead. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that kind of loses me, mm -hmm. to be honest, which is a lot of the live stuff where I'm like, hmm. oh, I've been strung out and jamming before. This mm -hmm. is what this is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But then when you get someone that's a true appreciator that can talk to you about like the American art form that it is, mm -hmm. um, they'll be like, okay, so Bob actually, if you think about it, which you can, you can dismiss it. It's the same as people can dismiss Steely Dan. They'll be like, oh, he actually plays guitar more like a piano player. If you listen hmm. to it, hmm. you know what I mean? And I'd be like, what? And then you listen closely on some of the live stuff and you just go, oh, and then the hand in glove moments that happen when no one's looking mm -hmm. between the two guitar players, between the piano and the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When pig pan was still around. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you got the two drummer things, the James, the James Brown thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Two drummers going at it. Mm -hmm. It could be a beautiful thing. And, the tones for me live, you have to look past some of that because mm -hmm. it can be a little cacophonous at times. Yeah. And, and, you know, eighties got a little chorused out in it. And I would, I mean, Bob Weir for my money is one of the best rhythm guitar players because you have Jerry and, and, and pick a piano player. So he had to fill another role. He, sonically, he had to find another space to be in. So his rhythm is interesting and mm -hmm. his and his chord voicings are interesting to stay out of the way mm -hmm. right and add something ultimately mm -hmm. so yeah check fire on the mountain if you haven't heard that oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean but you know and and how do you be in a band with with you know arguably arguably mm -hmm. one of the best improvisational lead guitar players that we've ever known right uh a master and 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 just I feel like Bobby still to this day understands something beyond the song. He mm -hmm. he understands it's it's more it's textural. It it it's obviously there's this interesting chord voicings that that work so well with someone on a piano. You got bass, you got drums, you got Jerry, and where do you where do I fit? And he's a kid and he's starting in this band. I mean it's inc I mean, l love it or hate it, you know, and I've spoken with people that's like, well, I can jam on a, on a, on a, on the, on a, a major. Mm -hmm. I'm like, motherfucker, you have no idea. You think that they just sit on an A? <laughs> motherfucker, they're moving all the time in real time, yeah. changing time signatures. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, anyway, you can't, again, another band, you just can't dismiss. You have to. Look at it academically, mm. even. Look at it, break it all the bits down, and tell me that something special wasn't happening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I hate those people. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know. Music mm. is fucking contentious, man. People people get all bent up about it, and 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 it's just, you know, I don't know. I love the fact that we share a love of jazz because both of those bands, Steely Dan and Grateful Dead, mm. that's kind of where they live. That that's the, kind of the root of the thing. Mm. And if you don't understand jazz or don't appreciate it, then yeah, you're going to look at Steely Dan and Grateful Dead and think, ah, man, I don't know. You know, 
It's just not my thing. And I get it, but appreciate it for what it was molecularly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, if it's the 70s and the early 80s and whatever, some people might just be like, let's just take the jazz out and cut the band in half and, oh, there's the Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, I'm going to get some hate mail for that. (laughs) I'm a a diehard Eagles fan. I'm just joshing, but still. Yeah, no, I mean, again, same Mm -hmm. shit. Mm -hmm. There are the, why why are bands contentious? Why, why, yeah, why do you, why can't you just appreciate it? Let people have things. Yeah. (laughs) No shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Eagles, great example. Mm-hmm. People love to hate him. People, yeah. you know, and it's like those motherfuckers were working intentionally yeah. and creating some beautiful shit. I'm sorry that Hotel California got played a gajillion times Not on the radio. Fault. Not yeah. their fault. Mm-hmm. They wrote a great fucking song. Yeah, straight up. Write a, write a great song and then come at me. And then yeah. let's talk about the Eagles and how much you hate them. No, true. And there's and for, for every Hotel California there is out there, for every Take It Easy there is, there's, you know, there's a witchy woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a love will keep us alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's you listen to that shit and you go, oh, this is D- Disco Strangler. Them shoes. You know what I mean? Or those no. shoes, whatever it is. It's like there are these deep cuts that you listen to where you're like, oh, this is deeply impactful and emotional to me. And it might have just been a one-off where they're like, mm-hmm. okay, we got to do a couple more songs on this record. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, yeah, there's the pop songs. But then there's the stuff that all the diehards listen to after that. It's like I was right. listening to a podcast the other day with um, uh, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco and Nora Jones. Oh, cool. Yeah, Nora Who's, Jones has her Is it her podcast? Yeah. Oh, it's hit. called... Um, Nora Jones is playing along or something. Oh, I've heard people. about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is the only episode I heard, but he was talking about, and I'm not a huge Wilco guy either. I, I love, love a couple of his songs, and I read his book. And uh, uh, How to Write One Song. He's a stud. Did you? I is that it. the book you're talking about? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I got it upstairs. Have you read it? I'm reading it. Dude, it's great. It is great. I really encourage Super you to read it. Super conversational mm-hmm. and, and inspirational. Yeah. But anyway, continue about this. All that to say... I mean, he talked about when they were getting ready to do tours and stuff like that, and he would put out like an entire song list for fans to vote on what songs mm-hmm. they would want to hear because he just has the most ridiculously prolific catalog. Oh my god! And he's like, "I have a thousand songs. What would you like?" A and, thousand well, songs? Not literally, but I okay. mean, like the guy just has of some behemoth of you yeah. know. And he said that he would get ready to make the set list for the show, and he'd go back and look at the votes, and almost every song had like one vote. <laughs> because people are so right. connected to things that you wouldn't, you know what I mean? And right. you never know what's going to hit with anybody. Yeah. And I was just like, damn, like what an aspirational thing to achieve. Like I would love that. You know what I mean? Where you have this one where you're like, this one really means something to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it flopped. Womp womp. Yeah. But, but that to me is testament to the fact that music hits people in different ways. And if I'm the songwriter and I do that and every song gets one vote, I would much rather that mm-hmm. than everyone being like, I want to hear this one. Yeah. Everyone's like, I want to hear this one. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how am I going to fill the rest of the fucking hour or whatever? Straight up. It yeah. just means that, that everyone comes at tunes in a different way from a different perspective and, mm-hmm. and makes it their own. And that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's what I love at being like, obviously I'm not on your level like career wise, but it's like, I so am looking forward to that part of my life where just like I'm on the road, I'm traveling and just you kind of take for granted now because cool little shit happens to me all the time that I like just it comes and goes and then I'm shower thoughts. You're just like little Kurt would love that. That was cool. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like now you get to sit around with friends and you talk about all the cool stuff that happens to us as working musicians. And it's like a lot of the times it is a thankless job. And I'm not complaining because I could be, you know, running a backhoe or roofing houses or some shit, as I always say. But it's just right. like a lot of the times it is a little soul sucking to just go out there and get the reps. And then there's things that happen to you that would never happen anywhere else. Yeah. That are just like we're so fortunate to get to do what we do. Yeah. No, we, we are fortunate. And I, and I think what's more uh, is that that we exist in a time and space. Um, we exist in a time and space in a community uh, of incredible musicians uh, mm-hmm. so we can make really good shit and that's what's Damn. exciting to me you know and phoenix there's a ton of work so if if that's what you want if you want to perform for a living you can do it and you can you can put food on the table you can keep the lights on with this shit it really it really is something and i and i and i love that you said you know like my my 13 year old self my 10 year old self would high five me 
Yeah. You know, and that's and that's cool. You know, and and there's always there's there's headroom. We can go we can go higher. We can do we can do better. We can do more. We can tour. We can travel. You know. Mm-hmm. So it is. It is exciting, and it and it's just fun to fucking make shit. It's fun to make music. We we are pretty charmed in the sense that we we do get to provide uh, based on the music that we make. I mean, it is really it's kind of absurd in a way, but but fucking let's celebrate it. And um, mm-hmm. I appreciate your time, homie. Yeah. Uh, really nice to chat with you. I, I am genuinely impressed. Uh, with with your songwriting and your guitar playing and your and your vocal styling, I I feel like we share a lot of the same influences, and I can hear that you know, and that's that's awesome. Um, and I wish you the best and and, and more success. And how can people uh, find uh, what you're mm-hmm. up to? What what's the best way for for folks to check you out live? So um, if you just want to go on curtisadair.com, I have my schedule pretty up to date on that. It's K-U-R-T-I-S-A-D-A-I-R. And then other than that, I mean, I'm, I got a couple of songs out on streaming platforms and I'm working on more right now. Cool. Well, I tell you, I would love to take a crack at producing one of your songs. I would absolutely love that as well. I was listening to your stuff and I got, I got to figure out whatever the hell this guy's doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's cut, let's, cut a, let's cut a fucking record, man. Oh, shit. I would love that. Dude, I mean, you're hearing it now. <laughs> All right, guys, you're contractually bound. The word I was looking for earlier was fucking lexicon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got you. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say thanks enough for having me, man. This has really been dope. I really appreciate that. Seriously. Of course, it's I, been great. I love the convo, and I'm and I'm uh, happy for you, and and I love what you're doing. So just you know, fucking keep grinding, keep grinding.